Some say one of the reasons the crypto markets have tanked is lack of regulation, and many have been waiting on the sidelines for the day that the SEC issues policy. Naomi Brockwell had the opportunity to catch up with the SEC chairman, Jay Clayton, recently, and we've got an exclusive interview for you. And another item that can advance crypto adoption is easy-to-use wallets. We spoke with Taylor Monahan, the CEO and founder of MyCrypto.com. Think my Ether wallet, but mo better. Spanning the globe and yet recording from Denver and Kansas City, it's episode number 214 of the world's baddest crypto show, The Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, Who's bad? How you doing? I'm doing. How you doing? I'm doing good. How you guys doing out there in the Republic of Bad Cryptopia? You good? We all doing. We're doing. That's good. Then. That's Take what we the, do. We're doing things. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. <laughs> It's another Godfather reference. You wouldn't know it because you've never seen The Godfather. That's true. I've never seen The Godfather. Would you guys like email Travis at badcryptopodcast at gmail.com and share your disdain for how have you never seen the, one of the greatest films ever made? Just Dude, I don't watch a lot of movies, man. I'm not a media consumer. I'm a media maker. You are a, you are a, a mover and a shaker and a maker and a baker. I just don't. I don't watch a whole lot of movies, man. There's a whole lot of movies out there like that I've not watched that people are like, "Well, you've never seen that movie?" Like, no, I haven't seen it. I don't. I don't. I don't. I look at. I'm like, I don't. I don't like sitting and like um, watching TV because then it feels like my consciousness. I just like and like I tap into the TV tube and then I'm like, and then I like I lose my own consciousness somehow. So I, I just don't watch a whole lot of television. I've, I've not been like that. I've been like that for a long time. Instead, you just smoke weed. (laughs) And then I do research and come up with great ideas and work on cool stuff. Yeah, that's a creational tool. Most people I know who have smoked weed are woke. Most people who Mm -hmm. don't aren't. Mm -hmm. Or at least haven't. It's true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) God made the plant. You can make 50,000 things out of the hip plant. It's the most important plant on the history of the earth. And it should be legal. And it finally is becoming legal. The fact that it's it's not is stupid. Period. It's 50,001. Yeah. Because they're finding new uses every day. That's true. That's true. Hip is the well, most welcome. incredible thing. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, myself. Welcome. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome, <laughs> self. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Bad Crypto Podcast. Welcome <laughs> to the Bad Crypto Podcast. And we are starting out incredibly bad, but that's why we're here. We're glad that you guys are here. And uh, this is a great show. We've got two. Uh, fabulous interviews in here today one of them really unexpected naomi brockwell was at a conference recently where jay clayton the sec chairman um, gave a talk and she cornered him right after his talk and uh, we've got an interview with him about when the sec is going to support etfs and then we've got the founder of my ether wallet her name is taylor monahan and she is the ceo and founder of a new project that is my ether wallet plus called mycrypto.com yep and you know she was on the founding team of my ether wallet i think you maybe just mentioned that but that's what's really cool about that is that you know Let's let's make it better. Let's move on over, and uh, and so they've evolved that with a whole new project, makes it more secure, uh, more functions to uh, to be able to access the crypto, and uh, that's a great interview for sure. And the Jay Clayton thing, I've not actually heard yet. So when it's being played right now, that will be the first time that I've heard it. All right, so let's go ahead and listen to this exclusive interview that Bitcoin Girl did with Jay Clayton, chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission. Really excited to be here at Consensus Invest. We just had a fantastic panel on there. Uh, we had Glenn Hutchins, who joined me right here, the chairman of North Island, co-founder of Silver Lake. And then we have SEC chairman Jay Clayton. It's just wonderful to have you both here. There's a lot of uncertainty in the space. People don't really know what's happening in terms of security regulations. So it was just great to have some, some clarity on, on stage. I just want to start off by saying you mentioned a disclaimer at the start, you know, what you were saying are your opinions and, and uh, thank, not thank representative you, thank, of something. Thank you. That makes it easy. My, my views are my own and not those of the commission. Do you want to just go over some of the things that you mentioned on stage, some of the, the main points there? Well, I think 
the two main points are, this technology that we're talking about today is a powerful technology that has many applications we've seen and probably many more that we haven't seen. Uh, but if you're going to raise money in America, you need to follow our securities laws. And the reason I came here today at Glenn's invitation was to try to explain how to comply with our securities laws in this, in this new space. And it is a new space. It's very unclear for a lot of people because it's a completely new technology. A lot of people, they do try to skirt regulations by using the term token. And, and you've mentioned this in, in press releases before. Have you found that as well, that they, they use the word token to try and bypass uh, being regulated? Well, what I would say is that um, in the 1820s, not far from here, we were argue, they were arguing at the, under the buttonwood tree at the stock exchange what a security was. Uh, it was a new kind of way of, of making, doing something new, which is investing in an enterprise that you didn't control yourself, that wasn't a product of your work. The, the, a token is a very similar kind of thing. It's a brand new kind of security or means by which you participate in the profits of an enterprise. So the role of the, I think a lot of people in this audience today were quite impressed by how Jay has articulating the role of the SEC of doing two things simultaneously, which can be done simultaneously. One is to enforce the securities laws, particularly with respect to fairness to investors. And the second is to encourage innovation. And those two things can work together just the way the securities laws and the stock exchanges have done in the past. And they're not, they're not at all contradictory. And I'd like to pick up on something that Glenn said, which is this was in the late 1800s and then through the 30s and 40s, a new form of funding enterprises, funding them on a broad basis, you know, collecting investments from people you had no connection to. You know, we, we take that for granted today, but one of the reasons we were able to build that system is we, we provided those people who had no connection to the enterprise other than investing, we provided them with the protections that are in our securities laws, including audited financial statements and remedies in the event people don't tell them the truth. I would say, look, it's message to the digital currency community. It is extraordinarily important that it work within the guidelines and boundaries set by regulation. Not just the SEC, but also we talked about the banking laws around anti-money laundering, around know your customer, around terrorist financing, the, um, uh, the, regu the regulatory structures concerning um, uh, consumer customer fairness as a consumer of your enterprise, you know, the, the, uh, com, um, the FTC kind of rules. The, the, uh, the, 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 uh, all of this needs to be brought into one of the, uh, a key definition of the industry so that it can flourish. In other words, if it works within good regulatory boundaries, it can be a very, very important industry. To the extent you try to operate outside of that, it will be a major inhibitor to its growth. One of the things that I've seen in the space is when the uh, SEC first started putting out information about what was a security and giving out warnings, it started off with sort of a slap on the wrist, you know, there was a, a message about the Dow saying, yes, this is a security, uh, just to let everyone know. And then since they have the Munchie case, you have uh, lots of different ICOs, and it seems that the SEC may be getting more stern in its uh, relationship with the ICOs that try to skirt regulation. What should we expect in 2019 if people continue to... Uh, be, exist outside the SEC's uh, jurisdiction or try to? Let me, let me say it this way. I think that events like this, our actions, the messages that we've provided to the marketplace, the, the defense I didn't know is no longer really viable. So uh, people should be careful there. Um, and then to wrap up now, uh, just to talk about the tech in general. So we're looking at, at being able to decentralize trust and decentralize commodities and decentralize corporations. And we have this entirely new model for structuring organizations, structuring currency, structuring financial institutions. I do wonder if you know we'll see a future where things are so decentralized that you know maybe the SEC won't be able to, to control it. Are you worried about that at all? No. <laughs> no. Well, I really, really appreciate you being here, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Well, there you go. Straight from the horse's mouth. If Jay Clayton was a horse, now you know what they're waiting for to see. Market manipulation must be addressed. How to stop yeah. it. 
And it's interesting because, you know, after I think this interview with Jay, whenever Naomi had that, the SEC actually lost an ICO case recently. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's basically setting up a new precedent that uh, they're saying, no, this wasn't a security offering with BlockVest. BlockVest actually sued back to the SEC and said, nope, we're not a security offering. And they won. Yeah. So that was really interesting to see that, you know, we had the two things with um, with Paragon and Air. What was the other one? Air something? Air Stink? I don't know. Air, yeah, Air Stinky Air. That other ICO, those two got busted and they have to pay a lot of fines and they're paying their their investors back. BlockVest said, nope, we're suing. And they won. Mm. So, hmm. What does this mean? What's going to happen now? I guess with the with ICOs and security tokens and all this other stuff, man, and that changes the game a little bit because now there's there's precedence out there that says the SEC is wrong. It means we're going to cover it more in the bad news episode. We'll go into the story more and I'll give you a teaser. Two celebrities have been crypto busted for pimping ICOs, and we'll share that with you in the Bad News episode on Thursday as well. Today, let's go ahead and jump into our exclusive interview with Taylor Monahan, the creator and founder of MyCrypto.com. Mr. Travis Wright, I'm a big fan of my Ether Wallet. That's some pretty cool tech right there. It is a pretty good stuff there. You know, it's one of the it's it's really one of the next steps. So once you once you either get on Coinbase or get on one of those platforms, then you're like, okay, now I have these, you know, ERC twenty tokens. What do I do with them? How do I store them? I don't I don't want to keep. Th- We've been taught we don't want to keep them on the exchanges. So what are we supposed to do with them? Mm-hmm. We want to keep them secure. What's an ERC anyway? An ERC? It's an. <laughs> it's like a, it's like an ERC. Oh, I, I hear laughter. I- <laughs> an ERC. <laughs> I think they're called ERCs. <laughs> oh, I'm getting I'm getting schooled by our guest who I've not yet introduced. But I'm so uh, sorry. Sh- that no, that's totally cool. I love being laughed at, especially by one such as prolific as, as you. We have with us Ms. Taylor Monahan. She is the founder and CEO at my crypto mycrypto.com. And when you go there, you're gonna notice that this site looks remarkably like uh, my ether wallet in terms of functionality and that's because taylor was also the founder of my ether wallet but the project she's working on now is called my crypto it's an open source client side tool for generating ether wallets handling irk 20 tokens and interacting with the blockchain (laughs) (laughs) more easily hi taylor hello thank you for having me can i call you tay tay though um you can <laughs> my mom you calls just... me that and that's about it so okay oh, oh that's sweet well we're, we're glad you're here and thank you for uh for joining us today i'm i'm really excited to be here this is i can already tell gonna be a ton of fun yep well that no that's it that's all the fun we're gonna have now oh, it's gonna no, get now super serious now it's gonna be, <laughs> now it's now gonna be, be ultra oh. serious now it's gonna suck tell us uh, how you got started in crypto oh that's an excellent question so let's see back in like the first bull run before ethereum was around it was just bitcoin and and a bunch of sort of weird altcoins that probably don't exist anymore the the price of bitcoin was like soaring up to eventually 1200 and similar to this last bull run, there was a lot of sort of mainstream media, you know, talking about it and and talking about the potential and the future and this crazy thing and how rich people were getting. And I somehow, you know, saw enough of these headlines that I finally was like, you know, I'm going to dive deep into this. And that's exactly what I did. I just fell down the rabbit hole. And uh, then the market came crashing down and it wasn't um, a terribly exciting time. It's, it's quite similar to what we're experiencing now in this sort of bearish market. But then sort of Ethereum uh, rose from the ashes. And that's when I actually really, really got interested in, in cryptocurrency and blockchain technologies and, you know, what what we can do and how we can use these technologies to to change the world around us. Mm, yeah, that's, that's amazing. So now what was your background prior to? So, I mean, were you already encoding and developing and programming? And then maybe how did you make that shift over into the crypto space? So I was uh, freelancing, building websites for a variety of clients. And these were not necessarily like really 
like apps or anything. They were they were more simple marketing websites. So I do have a developer's background, and I did a lot of of HTML and CSS and JavaScript. But I definitely would not consider myself a full blown engineer like the people that are currently on my team. But it did it did help me sort of uh, as I came into this space. You know, one of the the biggest problems, especially when Ethereum launched, was that there was no user interface for interacting with Ethereum. There was no way to click a button and generate a wallet or send uh, your funds from one wallet to the other. And so that was sort of my role in in my Ether wallet originally was uh, basically creating buttons, you know, and, and air messages and thinking about, hey, what's the easiest way to get people to be able to create a new wallet or to send their funds or whatever. Yeah, my crypto is a definitely more elegant version of my Ether wallet. It looks like you've tightened it up and added some features and functionality. And I just want to say, you know, nobody really taught us, as speaking for myself and Mr. Travis Wright, about how to do this stuff. We just kind of figured it out. And I actually, I felt kind of smart when I actually, you know, cracked the code on how to do this my ether wallet thing and and you know ether delta these decentralized exchanges i actually was like oh you know what maybe i do have an iq after all maybe you do um no i mean that's our goal right our goal is to um take these really complex technologies where a lot of the work is being done on sort of the protocol level right the very lowest level and um my my sort of goals or what I'm really, really passionate about is making those protocols accessible to your average person. Um, I don't think that you should have to be a technical wizard or understand the inner workings of these networks in order to uh, participate and and get some crypto and hold your crypto and trade your crypto and, and whatever you want to do. You know, that's one of the things is that, you know, we've had so many conversations with people and you know, I've even, you know, tried to get my, my mom on the cryptos and she doesn't understand it at all. It's like, I don't, I don't get it. Like it's so overwhelming for folks who maybe aren't, you know, technically savvy. And, and so I guess my question would be, how does my crypto and the platform that you're building, how does it, how does it make it more accessible and easier for folks than, uh, than maybe your previous iteration of, uh, my ether wallet? So we're doing a lot of work right now on trying to really, really understand our users and redesign um, sort of everything piece by piece uh, to make every sort of step of the way a little bit easier. So one of the improvements that we made was actually the the node network switcher. And uh, for those that don't know, we want to make sure that our products can be used even if our team were to all simultaneously be hit by a bus. And in order to do that, you need to make sure that you're not relying on our backend infrastructure. So you can connect via MyCrypto to providers like Infura or Etherscan, or you can add your own custom node. The thing is that the average user doesn't necessarily need to know that or want to know about that or want to switch from one node to the next if if one provider is being really slow or isn't available at the time or whatever. And so we created this thing. It's called Shepherd. But basically on the client side, it just um, automatically routes the traffic to the fastest uh, node that's available. And so that's one example of like these little things that we're doing that just make it a lot more seamless for the end user and provide a better experience. And then another thing we did was uh, we're trying to sort of abstract away the concept of gas and gas prices versus gas limits. Um, and anyone who's familiar with Ethereum, whenever the network gets really, really crowded and people are breeding their crypto kitties left, wow. right, and center, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, it can, it can, make it so that sending a transaction can be really, really slow or your transaction doesn't go through, et cetera. And so we've upgraded that experience to basically, based on the network conditions, it's going to automatically select the best gas price for you. You can you have a little slider so you can say, hey, I want to send it like as fast as possible. Or you can say, hey, like I'm I'm a cheap dude, like I don't care when this transaction's mine, just send it as cheaply as possible. Um, and this is different because it used to be that you had to like go and change the number. And it was this, you know, just conceptually, 
your average user does not know or care about what this this 40 or 5G way number is and what it means. And they they shouldn't have to in order to interact with the blockchain. I always just call that GUI. You know, like, like, like go away, go away. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> we appreciate you all, you know, <laughs> making sure that if you were to get hit by a bus, that things are going to work. But we would prefer that you did not, you or your team got hit by a bus. I think it would be much better if it was like Godzilla, you know, the, just destroying <laughs> the city or something. So you'd much rather us be attacked by Godzilla than get hit by a bus. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm on board with that. You know, people get hit by bus. That happens, unfortunately, too often and doesn't really make the news. But if you got, like, destroyed by Godzilla, that would, you know, you'd be everywhere. You'd be famous, not just in the crypto. You'd make world. it on. You'd be on CNN, right. probably. They could, they could, they could stop their Trump hating for a moment. And show, oh my God, Godzilla nice. hate some people in the crypto world, and we get, we'd actually get crypto talked about on the news again, which would be, good. and for a really different reason right, too. Like right. it wouldn't mm-hmm. be price talk for the mm-hmm. first time. You know, you've been Bob observing. Zero. You, you've been, <laughs> you've gone to zero. What? Don't say that, Travis. That's bad. Um, Taylor, you've been observing these markets now for years and. And I'm curious what your thoughts are in these past two, because they've been the most stark contrastual, I'm making up words, um, they're totally opposite, right? 2017 led up to this craziness with all-time highs and a wild ICO market in 2018 has been this downhill slide and, you know, waiting for regulation. So what do you see as you're watching this? Uh, so... 2017 was insane. And I don't think that people who entered the space in 2017 fully realized how insane it was. We, um, you know, were sort of on the front lines of it. And we went from being, uh, you know, when we first started my Ether wallet, it was this sort of you know, the description that you read earlier is still that old description. It's this open source tool. It's this client side tool. And those words are, are, written for the audience at the time. The audience was, you know, these technical people, these people that value open source, that value uh, client side, that that understand what those words even mean. And then when 2017 came, it was like, it's a massive shift, right? It's a massive shift in the types of users. It's a massive shift in um, the uh, just how we think about, um, cryptocurrencies and specifically Ethereum, um, ICOs were obviously these, this like thing. It was just, I don't even have a word for it, but it was, it, it transformed from sort of these longer term values or goals that everyone was working towards and everyone's assumptions that, you know, in the next five years, we're going to make this something really, really worthwhile and usable to this, I want to get rich right now. I want to invest in this ICO right now. And then I want to sell the token tomorrow. And I want to be rich on that third day. And, you know, FOMO, 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 hype, hype, hype. The white paper shifted from being these really technically dense, dense documents to being these beautifully crafted, you know, uh, a full team of graphic designers working on them with, you know, the marketing lingo just coming out your hoo-ha. It, it, it was just, you know, a very, very quick shift. And it was painful, by the way, with that lingo coming out my hoo-ha. I just, that was, <laughs> that was challenging for it a was- time. It was, it, it is. And, and it's, for me, it was like, you know, because I value sort of the long-term thinking. I value the, you know, understanding that this is, this is a journey and we're all on this, this boat and we're all trying to head in this direction. Then we'll eventually get there and we're all working really hard. Um, the short-term mentality and the really like the obsession on price and getting rich and flipping tokens was just really like, I found it quite disgusting. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people who entered the space during that time, and if they did enter the space to get rich, um, they missed out on some of that, right? Like the early adopters from, from I don't know, 2012 or even before then to 2016, um, their values were just different. And so today, sort of when I'm I'm building my product, I have to you know, regardless of my personal thoughts on ICOs and and the the marketing drivel and whatever, um, I have to realize that as this whole space grows and changes and evolves, 
we are going to have different subsets of users and these users are going to have different goals. And some of them are going to be, you know, purely speculative and, and are going to be attracted by the hype. And some of them are going to be, you know, in it for the long term and excited by the underlying technologies and, and things like that. The one thing I will say is that today, I find the sort of the ecosystem just really amazing right now. Um, I think that it's amazing that everything sort of settled down and um, the world isn't on fire constantly and we get to build and actually think about the choices that we're making and, you know, think about how we can improve our product every single day. And uh, it's it's sort of like the 2017 was the speculators and 2018 is the builders. And so even if you don't necessarily see everything that's happening behind the scenes, the amount of work that's being done across the entire ecosystem is just absolutely remarkable. And it's exciting and it's tangible and it's 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 real and it's amazing. That is crazy. It is amazing. And I'm over here at Urban Dictionary checking out hoo-ha. Uh, what did you find? <laughs> I want to know. So, so Diddy Kong's down throw plus up air combo in Super Smash Brothers <laughs> Four. When Diddy Kong throws his opponent down, everyone will yell "who," and then it is followed by a loud "ha." So that's the top definition for that. And apparently, there's euphemisms for other things as well. But uh, I really like the Diddy Kong version. And people oh, say I, they don't learn anything um, on bad crypto. I mean, you true. just <laughs> learn something right there. Take it to the bank. I mean, that's seriously, I mean, we are here to educate folks. And, you know, it's really one of the things that what, when we set up, you know, Bad Crypto Taylor was, you know, we want to, we're actually in the process of learning, right? When we started the show in July of 2017, and we're like, let's take folks on the journey as we learn about this. And so we were teaching people early on and we were making mistakes. I mean, I've, I've lost crypto in multiple ways already and people like to have fun at my expense, but I think you know, it's, it's, it's not easy, you know, whenever even intelligent folks, like I like to consider myself a somewhat intelligent folk and it's easy for us to lose crypto. Like I lost all kinds of crypto with the IOTA wallet. That thing was not friendly to me. I lost 55 Bitcoin on a computer back in like 2011, you know, which, which didn't suck then. But then later on when I realized it, that's like, you Oh man, that's horrible. Nothing. That, that was... You lose. Good day, sir. <laughs> I lose. Yeah, Mr. Joel Com hasn't lost any crypto. He's way more smarter than I am. Um, so, you know, as we move forward in this and as the crypto space evolves, what is it going to take for, you know, more people to adopt crypto, right? Most people don't even understand what fiat currency is. They don't even know how the banking system is rigged. They don't understand it. They never paid attention. They've never been taught. And so what is it going to take for us to get to the point where, you know, crypto is an everyday thing? Oh, so... There's sort of two different things that have to happen when we talk about uh, making this like really, really accessible for anyone. Um, the first is we have to like break people's preconceived notions or break the assumptions that they're carrying with them. And we also have to like try to maybe meet those assumptions or expectations or whatever. So if we take, um, you know, an individual's relationship with their bank right now, um, they probably have like a debit card and a checkbook and maybe a credit card. And if anything ever bad happens, right, if you lose your credit card, if it gets frauded online, like your bank either automatically notifies you that you were frauded and then just gives you your money back. Um, or you have to call them like, oh my goodness, you have to pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, I don't recognize this charge or I lost my card or whatever. And these sort of pre preconceived notions that they're carrying with them into the crypto space is one of the biggest issues is that, you know, when they get here, they're like, oh, wait, you can't reverse a transaction. Oh, wait, there's nobody that'll fix it if something goes wrong. Oh, wait, there's no phone number you even call. Like, what the heck is going on? And so, you know, in, in 2017, when we were just like everything we did was in a response to a problem or a fire, my, my sort of goals in the short term were, hey, let's let's educate people. Let's break these, these notions. Let's make sure that they understand that cryptocurrency is something where they're holding their own funds and they're responsible for their own funds. And that's a powerful thing, but it also comes with this additional responsibility. Now I'm, I'm 
thinking a lot about, hey, how can we maybe try to make the experience more similar to that of of their bank? How can we take the good things that banks provide without, you know, the bad ones like, you know, ultra centralization and high fees and and controlling your money and all those things. And and that's a it's a it's a harder problem to solve, but it's one of those things that um I think we should aim for because if we can make this space more accessible and make it easier to understand and make it so that a user doesn't need to understand these transaction fees or they don't need to have like a PhD in in cybersecurity, that's going to be when we really sort of, we're really successful and, and we're actually on the road to mass adoption. Those are hard problems to solve, but we'll solve them. I mean, look how far we've come and technology is speeding up and we're solving problems faster and faster and quantum computing, you know, is going to become a reality. So there are problems we're going to solve and you're in the process of doing it with uh, with MyCrypto.com. So let's talk a little bit about security and keeping our cryptos safe because I know this is one of the biggest concerns that people have. How do we, you know, what do you recommend? How do we do it? So I, my first sort of like piece of advice is to slow down and take your time and understand that this ecosystem is being actively developed right now and nothing is quite perfect. Like we're not, uh, no one is perfect at um, serving every single type of user. Nobody is perfect at explaining um, these sort of core concepts. The cryptocurrency space especially loves to just make up brand new words and concepts and just sort of drop them on your face. Um, and so... <laughs> For, Don't for be dropping things on my face. I need my I need my eyes and all those things. <laughs> oh, come on, Mr. Jolcom. You're the one who makes up half these words. That's true. I it's, it's insane. <laughs> I like to it's wordify. Insane. I can't help it. Um, so you know, it's it's um if you slow down and and you understand that, hey, you know, I want to invest in cryptocurrency, you need to also understand that you're you need to invest your time and your energy. It's not just a financial investment. Um and so take your time, read all the articles, watch the YouTube videos, listen to the podcast, get interested in this. And then, you know, in doing so, you're going to just, there's just so much information out there on how to be secure. But the biggest thing is that the internet itself is sort of, it's insecure, right? Like there's so many, there's so many ways in. Um, and if your your computer is connected to the internet, there's so many things that you could do that that would allow an attacker to access the website you're on or your passwords or your Google account or your Dropbox account or your computer or whatever it is. Um, and so my best piece of advice is invest in uh, an, a hardware wallet like a Ledger or a Trezor or, you know, at the very least, store your keys offline. So get a USB, uh, don't keep them on your desktop, things like that. Yes, yeah, so if you go to, to mycrypto.com, there's multiple different ways you can access the wallet through the Ledger, through the Trezor, through the Safety Mini, which I don't, I've never heard of that, MetaMask, which we've heard of and use, uh, Parity Signer, not heard of that one, and then also some of the more unsecure ways of the key store file. So if I have my original key store file from you know my Ether wallet, I can just plug that in to, people can just plug that in or if they're old, you know, my Ether wallet stuff, because that's attached to the Ethereum wallet. So it doesn't matter where you access it through as long as you have your keys, right? Exactly. And that's sort of the magic of the blockchain, right? Is that mm -hmm. your funds are on the blockchain. And so you can very easily use uh, my crypto, even if you originally used my Ether wallet. Same thing, like if you have a Ledger device, you can use the Ledger Live app, which they just launched. It's really, really nice. Or you can use my crypto. And that's uh, that's sort of what all the block or what the blockchain is all about is is giving the power back to the user because if say I was to make bad choices or create a really terrible product, you wouldn't be stuck with me. You wouldn't be stuck on my crypto. You wouldn't have to beg me to uh, like let you leave, um, you know, or have to. You wouldn't even have to call me. You just go use a different interface, um, and that's that's what controlling your own funds is all about is not um, being reliant on these centralized systems. I like your recommendation to take things slow as well. You know, I remember the first time that I sent Bitcoin from one wallet to another. It's like, all right, I'm just going to send, you know, 0.01 
or less and make sure this works. If I'm going to use my Ether wallet for the first time and I'm going to send, you know, some Ether to another exchange or whatever, I'm going to send just a little tiny bit and make sure that I've got this down because I can't imagine how many people think they're doing it right and they go and they send everything and then it's out there somewhere in the blockchain and maybe it ends up coming back around or maybe it's lost forever and slow and steady is really the way to go yeah absolutely absolutely and especially when you are um you know let's say you're on coinbase right now and you've you know you've you've gotten coinbase down like you understand how it works when you're that when you then move to my crypto uh or you get a hardware wallet or you want to invest in an ico or whatever um you know, understanding that that's a completely different experience, right? Mm-hmm. The things that you do, the way that things look, the way that you interact with the products, they're, they're very, very different. And then same thing, like, you know, if you have your tokens in my crypto and you want to move them back to an exchange to trade, um, you know, whether it's a decentralized exchange or a centralized one, again, it's a very, very different experience. And I will say that the decentralized exchanges are getting better and they're, they're looking nicer. But um, if, you use, if you used Ether Delta before, it's, a, it's pretty rough, right? It's rough around the edges. That's like um, next level crypto. Like once you get to Ether Delta, you're all like, I pretty much mastered crypto now. Right? <laughs> you, you've mastered a lot of things if you can like fully, fully use that interface. Absolutely. Yeah, but that's where a lot of the best deals are. I mean, like a lot of times, like if you're a trader and you see, you know, some new cryptos that you like, you like their project, they get on Ether Delta before anywhere else. And then you're like, oh, well, I'm just going to wait till it gets to Binance. Well, guess what? By the time it gets to Binance, the price could be five times what it is right now. So it's like that was the incentive for Joel and I to really learn how to get Ether Delta and the Fork Delta. And, and then also, you know, NEO has has a couple of uh, decentralized exchanges as well. And so it's like each one of them has its own little unique learning curve. And when you sit back and think about it, you're like, damn, like, like you really do have to be a little bit technically savvy to figure out some of this stuff at this point. Like, it's not easy. Yeah, you do. And you have to be really, um, I think that a lot of people enter this space thinking that, you know, you have like the Facebook and your Google and your Snapchat and all of these products that make things so, so easy. And there's nothing you could ever really do wrong, right? Like if you post something to Snapchat and you don't like it, you just delete it. If you forget your Google password, you just reset it. All of all of these things. Um, and if you enter the space with that, sort of idea of how the world works, you're going to mm. be in for a big surprise when you, yeah. um, you know, you, you show up on one of these decentralized exchanges and suddenly the interface is terrible and the color choices are terrible and there's no undo button and maybe there's a warning and maybe there's not. And, you know, you, you, that's, I don't know. I, I like to say it's part of the journey, right? Like that's where we're at right now. And if you're in this space, you're, you're in early. Um, and, you're this is this is part of the whole experience this is the oh, magic. taylor I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find my password my my private key password reset where is it yeah exactly and i have to say <laughs> i have to say i'm sorry i never had it i never will have it i can't oh, come on taylor Moynihan. i know you have it over there somewhere come on i'm wondering how often does support tickets come in oh that look God. like that always all the time always. really even though you say again and again and again you know, up front, I mean, when you go to the site the first time, it launches this thing and mm-hmm. we don't hold your keys. You have and people still email and say, where's my key? Um, yeah, it's gotten better. So all of the things that you see on the current site, like the the little box that pops up and gives you this information, all the little warnings, these are all in direct response to the problems that we saw happening again and again and again. Um, I actually did a talk at DevCon a couple weeks back about some of the the learning experiences. Um, and that that's one of them is that uh, the initial interface basically just like, uh, it just sort of spat out your private key and your address at you and was like, here you go, have fun. Um, and the amount of support tickets that we got back then on people that either didn't save it correctly, lost it or uh, never saved it was just, it was through the roof. And so we've taken so many steps to try to educate people, to make them slow down. Uh, we actually force them to download their, their private keys now. Um, and all of these things mitigate that, that loss, right. And it mitigates the support tickets as a result as well, which is nice. Um, 
but our ultimate goal is to is to cut down on the loss of funds and the loss of accounts. And yeah, so we have a lot of warnings now, and I think they're being helpful, but we still do have people that, you know, kind of refuse to, they don't like reading long things. I understand it. Yeah, people and long things to read crazy. So, you know, you're probably not a big fan of making prognostications and, you know, predicting where crypto is going to go because you said, you know, it's kind of nice after 2017 this year, people are working on projects, but at the same time, you know, there's, there's gotta be this idea that, you know, if crypto was just a little bit higher, there would be even more excitement and development taking place. So, where do you think it's you know headed and feel free to set any prices or dates that you want okay i'm i'm going to preface this by saying that i am a terrible predictor um terrible like one of the first podcasts i was on was uh omar's one back in like the beginning of 2017 and i predicted the price would be under $100 by the end of 2017 so, um, yeah, that's my track record of price predictions. But this is what I'll say is that we did a a huge bubble. We did a huge hype cycle. We got way, way, way too ahead of ourselves. We had a lot of people that were not necessarily investing in the technology or the the promise of the technology, but investing in in the hype and what they thought the technology was today. And so the market today is a response to people realizing, hey, you know, all these ICOs that we invested in, all these things that said that they were, you know, going to save the world. Maybe, you know, maybe they will, but it's not today, or maybe they were just scams or or whatever. We're going to continue to see this sort of bearish market or this um, this lull for, for a while. Um, and I think then we'll start to see it build back up. And I don't know exactly when. It'll probably be... What, what do you think a while is? When you say that, What what in your imagination, what does that feel like? I don't know. I think that we'll start seeing like the early... Um, the early, early shifts in, in sort of mentality and probably like at the very earliest, like six months, it's probably closer to a year or so. And when I say we start to see the very early shifts, that's when we start... That's when everyone has accepted that that we're that this market is what it is, and nobody's sort of thinking or praying that the price is going to go up tomorrow. It's like once you have that level of acceptance, then uh, the market can can go back up again. I think, um, and I think that we'll start seeing projects deliver, and we'll start seeing things be more usable, and we'll start seeing you know scaling solutions come to fruition, and it'll be a slow, it's always slow. Like we didn't notice the last bubble, you know, it was growing all through 2016 and there were remarkable things that were being built. There were, there was a lot of work being done and a lot of excitement in the ecosystem. And then it wasn't until 2017 that you saw it just, just take off. Right. And so we'll, we'll see the same thing, right? 2019 will probably be, um, this, this the excitement will be back for everyone and things will start being delivered and built and people will start going oh my god like this is really cool we can do this um mm. and then something will happen i don't know like last time it was that I, I really think it was the icos and sort of this institutional interest that drove the market to to these like just the i don't even know it was like craziness yeah, yeah. It's it was absurd. I think based on that prediction, we should have a pre-mortem moment of silence for John McAfee's appendage. Sorry, there we go. There sorry, was. John McAfee. That's yeah. He's gonna miss it. I think probably what he'll do is he'll just maybe cut off his neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So you know, one of the things when, when we were looking at this, and, and we saw, you know, because I, I paid attention 2015, 2016. I mean, I, I originally I got on, and I think I mined was, I think it was I mined was in 2010, and so like I've always sort of paid attention to it. But then I was like, then I would, I didn't have a lot of buddies that that paid attention to it, right? So if you don't have any crypto homies when you're trying to understand it, then it makes it hard. So you got to have some some crypto homies to help you sort of you know having conversations. And finally, I found a good crypto homie with Mr. Joel Com here. And we were having lots of great conversations about it. But it was really interesting to sort of watch it. It's like, it seems like every time that halvening happens, shortly thereafter the halvening, then, you know, maybe about six to eight, 12 months after that, then there's always been this huge price increase. 
and then always been this huge sort of a lull. But then that lull has always been, you know, way higher than it was before they had that initial bump, right? So in 2015, it was sitting at $200, $300, $400 most all the time. And then 2016, 2017, boom, it hit over 2000. And now here we are. Oh my God, the price of crypto is so low. It's $6,300, right? Well, that's more than 10x what it was in 2015 and 2016. And so I my thought is, is once that happening happens again, and then, you know, crypto is more and more rare and people are holding it and not sharing it, then maybe that's maybe that's when the price goes off sometime in 2021 or so. What, what do you think? Yeah, that those are those are really good insights. And um I I have a question for you actually. So in like 2015, 2016, you know, or sorry, in like 2014, 2013, 2014, did you feel like there was a sort of this global um acceptance that like okay, the price of Bitcoin is 200. Like that was fun. And it's going to be 200 forever. And maybe one day it'll go up to 500. You know what I mean? Like, did you feel that? You know, whatever. I, I was just sort of looking at it. I, I I would do some ancillary research into it. Like I would stumble across an article and I would just, oh, what's the price now? Oh, it's at 1200. Oh, now it's at 200. Oh, last year was at $12. Like, you know, like, really? Like, this is weird, right? Yeah. And so it just seemed at those points to me just to be this magical internet money that I didn't understand. And I was like, it seems interesting. And maybe it'll take, I was too concerned really about buying gold and silver because, you know, thinking of the, uh, the crash in 2008, 2009, I thought for sure the price of gold and silver was going to skyrocket as, you know, the price of everything else was crashing. And it just seemed to me that more money was going to go into gold and silver. Now, hindsight being 2020, obviously I should have been pouring at least half of that into crypto. And if I had been pouring half of that into crypto, I would not be on this podcast today. I would be hanging out somewhere in St. Lucia, the Mopsmoth Mansion. But um, instead, I'm stuck here with Mr. Kilcom. <laughs> oh, you wait. We wouldn't be doing the show if you had a crap ton of, of money? I don't Mr. know. Mr. Travis Wright? Hey, man. Like, like, it's, you know what? It's one of those things where I probably wouldn't ever let anybody know that what I had. And then I probably would have still just worked and do what I do. I, who, who knows? That's like high in the sky fantasy. You know, you never know. Oh yeah, no, I've 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 thought about it. I have like an imaginary world called like no internet island, and that's mm-hmm. where I'll go when I'm I'm so rich I I can't stand it, and I'll just go hang on an island with no internet, and and it'll be awesome. Um, come hang out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to no internet island. Yeah, it sounds like a beautiful place. Well, as we get ready to wrap up here, Taylor, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what's next, both for uh, my crypto and for you and for no internet island. What about my crypto, though? I mean, I'm. I mean, it's so great about your crypto is my crypto, but my crypto is your. Like, <laughs> go count your silver, Travis. Shut up. <laughs> Um, so we, we're really focused right now on, on design and the user experience. And since the market isn't, uh, like everything isn't on fire anymore, like it was in 2017, we're really taking the time to understand the different types of users, understand how they think of crypto, understand what they're going to want to do with their crypto, um, understand what, um, you know, when they come to our site or they use our product, what are their expectations? What do they want to do? One of the most interesting questions that someone asked me was like, what, um, what do people want to do when they're holding their funds? Right. Like there's in 2017, it was all about investing them in tokens or, um, trading or arbitrage or whatever. But if you think about your sort of money in the bank right now, it's it's you're not necessarily like trading that actively every day you just want it to like slowly increase in value over time or um you want to make sure that it's going to be there tomorrow and so that's a really sort of interesting thing that we've been thinking about and there's some amazing products um that are being built on ethereum that are getting uh have either launched or are in the beta phases or are about to launch or whatever there's things like MakerDAO and their CDPs. There's things like Compound. And these are all um, sort of ways to, um, in a sense, gain interest on your your holdings. And so those are the things that we're thinking about is making sure that the next wave of people can successfully use our product, make sure that they can really understand cryptocurrency 
Um, hopefully, you know, the next time around they can, you know, maybe they don't have to move super, super slowly. They just have to move slowly um, and we'll take care of a lot of the, the, the complexity for them. Um, but then, yeah, once you have your crypto, what do you actually want to do with it and how can we provide the the interface to do so? Very good. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on to Bad Crypto today, which is actually World Kindness Day. I didn't oh. realize today is World Kindness Day. So it's so great that you were with us on World Kindness Day. Uh, any any message of kindness that you would like to share out there to the citizens of Bad Cryptopia? Um, I mean, I just, I, I love everyone. <laughs> I love this whole ecosystem. I love everyone that uses our product and gives us feedback. Uh, I even love the trolls on Twitter who make me laugh at the trolls on Twitter. We love <laughs> it's all rainbows and unicorns and puppy farts. Taylor Monahan, mycrypto.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Mycrypto. Taylor Monahan, hey, you think after she's uh, done what she wants to do with my crypto, she'll make the bad crypto wallet? Mm, maybe so. Or your right. crypto? Your crypto, like, my crypto, our crypto, you know, our for both crypto. of you. Our yeah, crypto. It's good. Mm. It's good. Bad crypto, good crypto, worse crypto, and shitcoin cryptos. And the baddest crypto. Thanks for listening. As always, we're glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Pretty, Travis, you're glad they're here, right? I'm 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 mostly always glad. Yeah. And so uh, thanks for listening and please do share and subscribe. I know, you know, we say these things every time, but we say them because it's important. The you know, the search engines and the algorithms for iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and all those, they kind of base where to rank not just on downloads but also on reviews in the number of reviews and the frequency of them so if you haven't done it yet and you enjoy the show we don't ask for much from you you know you don't pay for the show but if you don't mind taking a minute to go review us and if you do a funny review and it's a five-star funny review we might just read it on the show and you'll have your 15 minutes of fame it's going to be the high point of your life that's it i mean i i can't see anything better than that <laughs> a shout out from the bad Christmas <laughs> podcast is the pinnacle of your life like oh my that, gosh that, that's i would depressing. say you need to get a life yeah that would, would life. that would be depressing but you know we do strive to inform you to give you some chuckles and to do everything we can to help you to stay bad The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.